Welcome to the Proletarian Contrarian, the leftist podcast dedicated to the reevaluation of your favorite crappy films. I'm Nick. And I'm Lewis. I got something on my mind. I, I'm trying to think of like a bunch of different ways to to die or something. Hmm. Um, How many? Like, yeah. just give me a ballpark figure. Eh, like 7,999,999. Hmm. Well, uh, let's add one more into the mix there. Uh, that other way to die is uh, by watching this film. Uh, <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. That, that's the meta way to die when you watch 8 million ways to die. Uh, yeah, 1986, directed by uh, Hal Ashby, his uh, final film, actually. Um, you might know him for a little film called Harold and Maud. He's had, we, we, we always pick these people with like insane careers. Yeah, I mean, he's probably one of the more established directors um, of, a, of a certain time period that is, of course, um, you know, Hollywood New Wave. Um, so, you know, 60s through uh, the 80s. Um, the only reason this is his last film is because he dies. Um, I don't know what he died of, but um, he, he died early. He wasn't all that old. Um, but, uh, yeah, Harold and Maude um, is one of his biggest ones. And films like The Last Detail, which is one of the first films to have, like, an excessive amount of cursing in it. Um, he did a Woody Guthrie biopic, Bound for Glory. Mm-hmm. Um did a film about Vietnam vets uh, coming back from the war called Coming Home. Uh, <laughs> oh, and he, he did that movie Being There. Yeah. Um, yes, the Peter which everyone says is about Trump. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. That's fucking well, stupid. That, <laughs> well, I mean, that. <laughs> okay, so you think Sam Cedar's fucking stupid. He's, oh, my God, he's, Sam. Come on. You can do better than that, Sam. He is. He, Sam's a lib, but he's uh, he's the left the, the leftmost a lib can be, I think. Yeah, I mean, um, I get it. Like, uh, So being there, for those of you who don't uh, know that film, it stars Peter Sellers as like a, a gardener um, in a uh, wealthy uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, beltway, you know, a person's uh, mansion. And uh, I don't know. He just says like platitudes about gardening like oh you sow a good seed and uh, you get the best crop and then he becomes like just famous amongst the, the punditry and and uh yeah i mean he's like I, I get it so like trump is like the the like reactionary side of that you know just says dumb right. shit and people like it yeah i get it but i don't know whatever sam still love yeah, you sam <laughs> still love you but come on <laughs> yeah it, it's kind of like a such a normie take but um that I, I think besides harold and maude that's the only other thing that i know of hal ashby his actually his first name's actually william huh wonder why he went with hal good old bill ashby bill ashby yeah hal has a better ring to it for sure yeah um definitely. yeah he i think he's the most like popular in terms of financially successful film um is this film called shampoo uh which mm. is about a hair salon and Warren hmm. Beatty like pretends to be gay. Oh, that sounds yeah wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> very much of its time. Um, but this film, Eight Million Ways to Die, uh, based mm. on the Matthew Scudder detective story of the same name by Lawrence Block. Um, I've never heard of any of these things. Uh, Matthew Scudder is uh, totally foreign to me. Uh, I don't know who Lawrence Block is, but apparently. Uh, this character has also been adapted more recently, 2014, with the Liam Neeson film A Walk Among the Tombstones. Okay. Okay. So I can see that. I can see like the the post-divorce or, or post-widower uh, 
uh, Liam Neeson kind of tier of movies. Yes. I, I can see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess that film actually takes place in New York, just like all of the stories do. Uh, this mm-hmm. one, however, in very Hal Ashby Hollywood fashion, takes place in Los Angeles. Yeah. And um, I mean, we, we can say that this movie was based on like a like a pulp hard crime hard-boiled crime drama drama uh, source material but like apparently they they threw out the script yes and they're just like do 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 whatever just like fuck it just just talk yeah and really interesting screenwriters too so you have oliver stone which i think you all know who he is i don't have to explain that mm-hmm. um and then robert town who is another uh you know script doctor and uh david lee henry which is the pseudonym for r lance hill who is the writer of uh, Roadhouse, um, uh, you know, the, the seminal 80s yes. uh, film, and uh, yes. uh, Out for Justice, the, the Steven Seagal uh, film. So Interesting. It's, it's a crazy group of people who came together to make this film. Um, but yeah, apparently Hal Ashbury was just like, nah, fuck it. Like, I'm just going to have the actors improvise everything. And I think it shows. I mean, I think it's pretty fucking obvious in this movie. Yeah, this movie has that... Um it doesn't totally feel like a student film, but like it kind of parts of it kind of, kind of like allude to that. Um, I get, I guess like in the, in the improvisational um, dialogue aspects. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's somewhat amateurish. A lot of this film yeah. uh, besides like the, the big names. So we have Jeff Bridges as Matthew Scudder, the main character, um, Roseanne Arquette, uh, Rosanna Arquette, that is, um, mm-hmm. Alexandra Paul, Randy Brooks, Andy Garcia, uh, returning pro-con champ, <laughs> Andy Garcia. <laughs> yes. Uh, Tommy Lister, who you might know as Debo from Friday. And he's also, um, the altruistic felon from the dark Knight. <laughs> oh yeah. On the boat. That's right. Yeah. The, 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 the giant, the giant black prisoner that who throws the, uh, the the joker's detonator out the window because yes. he's a good person yeah yeah the old bait and switch you think he's gonna kill them all but no he's good um mm. thank you for christopher nolan very woke of you <laughs> thank you batman uh, <laughs> uh and then some other guys uh, one guy has a funny name uh so william marquis and then uh fred asparagus <laughs> um, oh freddie asparagus <laughs> over here <laughs> it'll make your pee smell funny <laughs> he's I mean, he's great throughout this movie. Uh, he yeah, plays he's, he's a bodyguard, great. and so does actually uh, Tommy Lister. Uh, he plays a bodyguard named Noseguard. Uh, <laughs> what a name! Yes. Um, sure, why not? But this film is a in a long line of uh, neo noirs that came out. Um, I mean, basically mm-hmm. since the '60s, we were seeing neo noirs, but uh, it was it was fairly popular in the '80s, and then um, some in the '90s as well. And that's kind of the, the death knell of the neo noir. We see it now, but it's uh, it's not as popular as it used to be. There's films like uh, Michael Mann's Thief, Lawrence Kasdan's body heat you know the coen brothers blood simple william friedkin's live and die in la uh, Lynch- um, christopher nolan's uh, the dark knight <laughs> of course <laughs> uh, the best one of all of course yes, of course. you know everyone stopped making neo noirs after that that's actually why everybody stopped because they're like this yeah, one is so good this one's this one killed the genre it's too good it's too good you know it's like it's uh heaven made the mold and they had to break it afterwards Batman broke his one no kill rule by uh by by killing neo noir. <laughs> Probably for the best though. Uh, yeah, it was best. a dying genre. Uh, even when this movie came out, um, I would say, I mean, 
the best of are really like some of the ones Michael Mann made in the eighties thief. Um, you know, even heat. yeah, heat of course uh, that's a little later in the nineties, but then he has, um, mm. uh, red dragon, the, uh, the Hannibal Lecter film. I would count that right in there. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's a weird genre. Uh, I don't think it always works after like, you know, the fifties, but it's a crime story. So it's always popular. Yeah, it's a crime story, um, and it bombed um, hard at the yes. box office. Jesus um, Christ! Its its budget was eighteen million. It made um, one million three hundred five thousand one hundred fourteen dollars back. Yeah, um, that's got to be the worst ratio for us. Uh, Domino was yes. pretty bad, but Domino was only made for like two million dollars. Yeah the the percent percentage wise, this is definitely uh, worse. Um, and speaking of percentages, uh, <laughs> this has a 32% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes and uh, a 0% yeah. um, review score. Um, but th- that's only based on a total of eight reviews yeah. versus uh, over 500 for the audience score. Yeah, you know, as I always harp on, any film made before like 1998, um, yeah. it's literally just like the Rotten Tomatoes uh, home office, just like trolling the web for as many reviews as they can find and then they decide um i I read this recently that it's not an algorithm that decides it is really just people in the office deciding if the review is a negative or a positive review and then they assign that quality to it you know film criticism is such a bullshit racket and like everything i learn about it just makes me more and more contemptuous of it it's awful and the tomato meter i mean we use it just as a barometer because it's out there but i mean it's really it's just it's bogus it's total bunk but um when you see eight reviews i mean it's even it's even more bunk than that i mean there's obviously eight more than eight reviews of this uh movie online i would even say more than eight of professional critics um contemporaneous or otherwise but I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, it's not a priority to find all the reviews as you can for the film 8 million ways to die. So I get it. I, I would say like even, even our kind of arbitrary jokey uh, use of the percentages for the Rotten Tomato scores is more valid. <laughs> that, be, be, well, no, because like, honestly, like we, we try to get like a broad snapshot view of what most people think of these movies. Like we're, we're not looking, oh, this movie is 32% good. What we're looking for specifically is 32% of the people who actually watch this movie have a somewhat positive impression. So like that's, that's like, that's as much utility as you can get out of the site. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's a, you know, fairly significant number. 513 people actually went out of their way to review this movie. (laughs) So Hmm. I mean, kudos to them. Um, Yeah. Thanks guys. (laughs) I should create a a Rotten Tomatoes account so I can do so and inflate that number maybe by a a 0.5 percentage point. (laughs) But um, I would, I would rate it, you know, I'd I'd give it a fresh, not a certified fresh, but I'd give it a fresh. Sure. Um, The Catholic news service uh, (laughs) media review office would not give this movie a fresh review. (laughs) They would. Okay. So the, the review that you pulled is from the Catholic News Service Media Review Office of the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. Yep. Holy shit. Like Returning champions again. Uh, we we uh, use them for our super punch episode. Our sucker punch episode. Sorry. Right. Yeah. I just forgot like actually how many words they yeah, packed in. A lot in of their, words. Their little title there. Yeah. Um, this was... Um, 
Yeah, this was actually not one of the tomato meter reviews, oddly enough. I had to find this through other sources. How did you find us? Uh, there's some other website that has like archived uh, film reviews. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. It's like nice. a beta site. Uh, it's not an alpha site. It's, it's a beta cuck site. It's a, it's a beta. <laughs> That's where I found this, of course. I'm into it. Um, so yeah, the, the uh, this organization, not to, that, I can't really abbreviate it, says um, about 8 Million Ways to Die. In this heartless murder mystery, Jeff Bridges plays a reformed alcoholic ex-cop who breaks up a drug ring as he finds a prostitute's killer. Violence, ethnic stereotyping, extreme amounts of profanity, and some nudity. O rating for morally offensive. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's... Everyone says, like, oh, you need to be objective in your reviews. Like, idiots on YouTube say yeah. that. But like, that, this is as objective it, as it can get. It really <laughs> is. I mean... Um, I, it's not wrong. I mean, none of this is wrong. It's, uh, there are a lot of ethnic stereotypes, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of nudity and, uh, profanity. And, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's heartless. May I'd say maybe it has some heart to it, but, uh, it's also stupid, but, um, <laughs> it's, it's very, it's a very dumb eighties movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not smart. Um, and maybe that's actually its strong suit. I don't know. I mean, yes, yes. Um, the mystery involved in this film of all neo-noirs and noirs, there always is some mystery at the heart of it, you know, um, something related to organized crime. It's one of the easier ones to figure out. And it's it's one of the ones where they put like the least amount of effort into it also. It's, you know, it's it's not labyrinthian. Um, it's, it's very easy to figure out who did what, um, they kind of tell you up front as well. I kind of appreciate it. It's, it's like, it is a neo-noir for dumb people. Yeah. And, and in one sense, like I, I do kind of appreciate that. Cause like it, it makes the movie less about the extremely obvious and like plotting mystery. And it's more about, um, it's, it's more of like a mood piece if anything. Yeah. And it's more about this, um, I guess kind of like a dumb stripped down character piece as well of of this alcoholic ex-cop. Yeah. You know, and I think Hal Ashby is um, a talented director. I think mm-hmm. um, he he gets these great performance out of, his, out of these actors. Um, you know, I think I'm not, I'm not sure if he's used improv before, but um, I don't know. I think it's, it's, it's well uh, employed here. Um, but yeah, even some of the characters aren't like the most robust, um, well fleshed out characters. Like they all kind of have one or two things they do. Um, but I, I think what you said there, a mood piece is right. Like it, it, it definitely evokes like the eighties Los Angeles really well. Yeah, from from our days when we kicked around Diddy's Los Angeles together, uh, Lewis and I remember that. But like, <laughs> but, no, but 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 yeah, that that is what I was getting at, though. That like, for better or for worse, my image of '80s LA and all its like cocaine fueled, like seedy, neon lit glory, like th- this movie, it like is that pitch perfectly. Yeah, definitely. Um, so the Catholics kind of um, you know got a lot out of the way for us here in terms of the plot. <laughs> I mean, what they said is, is true. Jeff Bridges um, plays an alcoholic ex-cop. So we actually see him as a cop in the beginning of the movie. Um, he, Matthew Scudder, is a sheriff in the uh, Los Angeles Sheriff's Office. And they are in a graveyard, actually a Jewish graveyard, I noticed. Yeah, th- this was a fasc- fascinating opening. But actually, really quick, just before we get to this part, I, I really like the opening... Um 
credit sequence? Yes. Okay, yes. We should talk about that first. That is it's a good credit sequence. Yeah, so it's it's like kind of B-roll footage of flying through downtown LA um it, through a helicopter. We get like a voiceover. It's it's the character Matt talking to his partner just about stupid cop bullshit. Um but then the helicopter kind of swoops down and is flying over the interstate or the, or the freeway. Um and, and like that's it. it yeah. and like we just get we just get the credit sequences, but like the, there's this cool synth uh, soundtrack. I did like the soundtrack, and um, at the end of the sequence, like the camera is almost like tipping upside down yes. because like it's looking behind, down and behind the helicopter as it goes forward. It was really like surreal and yeah. cool. Yeah, it was really disorienting. I I appreciated that. I mean, you could just do you know your regular helicopter shot, but I thought that was interesting. Um, mm. I, I don't know what it added to the film, but I, I don't know. I liked it just aesthetically. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, and, and that's my case for like, it, it helps me make my case that this is like a mood piece yeah. more than anything. Would you say this is like a, a vaporwave movie? Uh, yes. And there are several <laughs> other things, uh, down the line, um, specifically a shot outside a mall that I can, I can yes. look at this. All right. So folks just keep that in the back of your mind. This is a vaporwave movie. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, and the, and the opening narration uh, mentions it's one of the best film noirs ever made, uh, in my humble opinion. Uh, mm. The Naked City, uh, 1948, by Jules Dassin. Um, technically, they're referencing the TV show because uh, he says that. He's like, that TV show, The Naked City, there's 8 million stories in The Naked City, which is how the narration opens for both the movie um, and the TV show. And also, it's a helicopter shot of New York, however. Um, gotcha. And then we actually get the the title spoken of this move. He's like of this movie. He's like, oh yeah, eight million stories, more like eight million ways to die. <laughs> yeah, that was painful. <laughs> and I think the title comes up in that exact moment as well. Right, have, right. Neon script, uh, blue title, uh, similar to uh, the film Cocktail, except that was pink. Right. Yeah. 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 This um this would be an interesting companion piece to to Cocktail. Yeah. Both about alcoholics. Yep. Although this one's a lot more uh, brutal yeah. in its in its view. Um, and speaking of that brutality, to get back to that uh, that second sequence in the the opening um, in the Jewish graveyard, um, that was like a fascinating choice. Like, I, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know if they're trying to make a point I, about something. No, I doubt it. I really doubt they're trying to make a point with anything in this movie. But yeah, yeah, um, it's a great location. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it, it looks cool. It's it's very like. And it was like a a Jewish graveyard in daylight. Yeah. So we can like read all the names on these on these headstones. It was very weird. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you know, you see the Star Davids and you see names and you see the, the Jewish characters as well. Um, and then um, they are going after I thought it was like a bigger bust too. Like it's like five or six LA sheriffs who are going to um, you know, arrest somebody. Um, but you'd think with five or six of them they're taking down a whole drug ring. Um, but they just show up to a, a small shack that's, I guess, inside this uh, this graveyard. Maybe this guy's a caretaker. I don't know. Um, uh, a Latino man and his family uh, just uh, having breakfast. Um, and uh, Matt knows him. Uh, Jeff Bridges' character knows this guy. And uh, they're, they're there to arrest him because he sells drugs, I guess. Yeah, he he had been selling cocaine. Right. 
Uh, um, and and he, some informant dropped his name or something. Um, and so they're they're going to arrest him. They're like, oh, and Matt, the Jeff Bridges character, like, where he, he's kind of set up as like sympathetic here at least because he's like, oh, we can go at the back door so your neighbors won't see. Um, and then the guy gets up and he grabs a bat and he tries to attack one of the cops. And of course, uh, Matt shoots him. Yeah. Um, he's really wailing on the cops too. It was pretty great. I was like, yeah, fuck them up. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Them up. <laughs> and, and also like, I, I, I thought that it was going to be a bigger bus too, but like, that's very realistic of like six or seven yeah. or eight, like super armed cops going to bust up like one guy with his family. Like that's kind of how cops operate. Yeah. yeah. One dude in front of his wife and kids, like there's like three kids at the dinner table of varying ages. Um, his yeah. wife's making breakfast and, uh, yeah, they just, they just shoot this guy. Um, and then, uh, actually, and we should mention that before the bust, like Matt ha- takes a swig of, uh, sensibly whiskey out of his flask and he gives it to his partner. That, so they're right, kind of right. inebriated to some degree. Um, and then, uh, and then it cuts to, them being interrogated in a in a police department i liked how shitty the police department i like how shitty all these sets look like not not like bad like they're unconvincing sets they're just like you've been to crappy weird little locations like this that are really like depressing yeah because like they're because like in in the room that he was being interrogated in it was like this bigger room it was like a, a meeting hall or whatever there was like a shitty white set off to one side and like two or three cops were like working out and it, right. it felt kind yes. of like like thrown together like very like like the verisimilitude of 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 this world kind of felt believable yeah and i would imagine i mean this is probably all you know actual um location photography right i mean it, it seemed real i don't think they constructed that i mean they obviously didn't construct the you know the graveyard um so I don't know. I guess it's you know when you work on a small budget, you gotta you gotta find places as opposed to build them. Um, yeah. And I I think that definitely adds to the verisimilitude, and, and we see it with like, like you said, literally every set later on. Um, I mean, you know, if it's his his house, the set at his house that we get to next, or some of the mansions and McMansions we see. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're 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 definitely real. And that heightens that kind of student film aspect that I was alluding to earlier. Um, but that that's a strength, especially for a piece like this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Matt is is laid off. He's he's let go because he shot a guy in cold blood in his <laughs> in his house. Um, and we get like this the first of several um, drunken uh, montages, yes. basically. Um, like the camera kind of fades out and like kind of does that like dream like warpy effect and we see him drinking with his partner or his ex-partner like in a bar and they fall over yeah yeah <laughs> they're both on the stools they're, and they just like fall on top of each other <laughs> yeah they're, they're doing like the stereotypical like drunk buddies just like leaning on each other and they just fall off the stools um and then at like what must be like six in the morning or five in the morning at, at sunrise um we cut to matt and he's lying on the top of a of a cinder block wall surrounding his yeah. house he like, like sleeping there like a cat or something yeah. like he's shirtless uh, i think he's shoeless yes. as well i think he just has his yes. jeans on yeah. 
and and what must be his wife because she's not really a character in the movie um she comes out and she looks at him and she tries tries to pull him in he's and he's like no 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 and then she just shakes her head and goes back inside and then his daughter goes back inside uh and then we get a time skip to six to six months later yeah six months later so uh the film cuts to black and then i think this is where we get the there's another like you can somewhat call it a montage but it's like when you when you're filming and you're filming lights but you the 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 camera is unfocused so the lights look bigger and they look like just big circles um right. it's like a montage of those more or less so it's like i assume they just like filmed some just like you know skylights or something in LA and then just threw a few of them together you get like a few minutes of that with some narration it's it's more or less just some dialogue we heard throughout the film so far up to this moment um Mm -hmm. and then it cuts to uh matt in an aa meeting uh where he's getting his uh his sobriety coin yeah and this um we both made the same note here this is like a super effective way of breaking that show don't tell rule yeah because like jeff bridges literally tells us the audience yeah, I've I've been sober for six months, and I I just did it right after I got divorced, which happened. I'm like, okay, so we learned that like he got divorced, he doesn't see his kids that much anymore, and it's been six months. Yeah, and like, and it's done in a very, it's done in a way that is justified by the script. No, exactly. I mean, it's it's it's, it's a perfect idea. I mean, what what better way to do a six month time jump than a sobriety coin ceremony, um, for an alcoholic character um right. we also learn he's not a cop um and this is how he gets his first case as well in his um somewhat like he's sort of a pi not really he says he hasn't gotten his license with the sheriff's office yet but he wants to be a pi yeah i got the impression that he was just doing jobs on the down low yeah um like not strictly legal cases um and that's what happens here. Uh, a woman approach uh, another AA meeting member. Woman approaches him, and she gives him a note. Um, and it was from uh, I, I don't know. I don't understand. This I didn't part, catch that. Yeah, yeah. The the connection between Matt and um and Sunny. Mm-hmm. Like, did did they know each other? I don't think so. So I think this woman who gives him the note knows Sunny. Perhaps she too is a sex worker. So Sunny is a character we meet in this next scene. Um, she's a sex worker right. um, who works at this private club that really just looks like a mansion. Um, ridiculous. Really mansion. ridiculous looking. It has like this little tram out front. And I learned that it's not a tram. It's a funicular. Funicular is how it's pronounced. Um, vehicular. No, funicular. It's like a tram that goes up an incline, just like the one in yeah. the movie. Yeah. Okay, I, I just thought you were mispronouncing vehicular. No, no, it's um, funicular. F u n i c u l a r. F okay. Yeah, funicular. Because <laughs> there's so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and I I'm convinced that like somebody knew someone that owned that house. Oh, and for be, sure. And they used it be, because it had that little ride to get up to get up the hill. So basically, the one one of the major set pieces of this movie, um, it takes place in this mansion that Matt is invited to um, for a cocktail bedding party or whatever. And the most unique feature about the house is that it's it's built into the side of a hill, like in L.A. Um, a lot of mansions are are built into the side of sides of, of like steep inclines. 
Um, but leading up to the entrance to this mansion, it's that kind of uh, diagonal. It's like a ride that you'd go to at like like Disney World, but yeah. like not a ma- not a major ride. It's like a ride that you take to get to the main ride. Right. Yeah, it's just something like you allow your your five year old nephew on, and like that's it. That's the extent yeah. of what they can do <laughs> for the day. Um, yeah, so they're at this party where they're watching uh, a boxing match and they're betting on it. Um, and we're introduced to, I guess, really the main characters in this movie, which there's not a lot of characters to. That's something I thought that was kind of distinct about this film. Because in a lot of noirs, neo-noirs, there's an abundance, an overabundance of characters generally. Um, that's what a lot of, you know, even the like original pulp stories were famous for. Just like every other page, you're throwing in a character here and there. And you're confusing everybody like who you know who did it who's this character how do they connect into the larger story um but this movie has like four main characters and that's really it and they're all introduced in the same scene um we get sunny who's a sex worker uh we get sarah who's another sex worker and then sarah's played by rosanna arquette um we Mm -hmm. get chance uh who is an ex-drug dealer now turned I'm, I don't know what he's considered. I mean, he owns the he, home. He's he's essentially a pimp. Yeah. Um, yeah. He doesn't like being he, called a pimp, but he's more or less a pimp. Yeah, he he denies it, and he, but like that's part of his his facade and his act, I think. Yeah. Um, and then Andy Garcia plays uh, Angel Maldonado. Um, oh man, he's great. He's so good. Which, Maldonado <laughs> is the name of that like Joe Exotic guy. That's what Joe Exotic's actual really? name is. Yeah, Joe Maldonado. <laughs> this, this move. Oh God, this always happens. Like we 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 don't want to get too gimmicky and be like, oh, like uh, we're we're gonna pick a quarantine movie to do during quarantine. Like <laughs> like we don't want to be too too gimmicky, but like we always find little threads that are like synchronous with um with today. Yeah. Life finds a way, folks. Life finds a way. <laughs> Life finds a way. <laughs> When are we going to do a Jurassic Park movie, by the way? There are some real shitty yeah. ones. Number, we could start with number three. I mean... I could I could make a strong case for number two, The Lost World. I think that one is is well-liked. Not well-liked, but it's like kind of a sleeper hit. Whereas I, I think the third one yeah. by Joe Johnston, like no one likes that movie. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's And the third one isn't like as kind of hated as the the Jurassic World Yeah, the ones new are. ones. No. I mean, I remember thinking it was fine. I don't know. It had the the spine, the spine, uh, Spinosaurus, yeah, yeah, whatever it's called. Yeah. The reason they included the Spinosaurus is because I forget his name, but the the uh, paleontologist advisor on Jurassic Park three, um, he he was like involved with like the finding or the discovery of the Spinosaurus oh, or something, shit. Huh. or he he cared about Spinosaurus and like he deliberately wrote in the scene where the Spinosaurus beats the T Rex because like. <laughs> His reputation or like his his specific interest in the Spinosaurus was at stake and like he wanted to prove and he wanted to influence more people to believe that it was more powerful than a T-Rex. Holy shit. The the paleontologist politics of Jurassic World 3. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Oh god. Um, um but yeah. So aside from so that this movie, aside, um that does not I mean, have any people, dinosaurs. There could have been the Librea tar pits, but no. That's a good that's a good tie-in. Um and people that's what people listen to the show for are, are crazy insane like nerdy asides to just unrelated yeah, bullshit. Yeah, wants to just talk about the movie, you know, in front of us. They're generally boring. I mean, once in a while, I think the you can tell 
that we really like a movie when we don't do as many asides. Now, you know, there's, of course, some exceptions to yes. that rule. But I, for the most part, I think we really stay on topic when it's it's a film we like a lot. Now, I will say, I think I, I enjoyed uh, a lot of this film, mainly because, like, it's not overly long. Um, mm-hmm. It has that mood aspect to it. And, like, at the end of the day, sometimes I'm just like, yeah, I want to watch a violent movie. And, uh, I don't know, it checked all those boxes. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't. This is another one where, like, I, I kind of have this, like, file in my brain. It's, it's like, I don't like the movie as a whole. Um, but there are a number of parts of the movie. There are a number of aspects of it that I do like, even if those parts don't let it become greater than, than their sum. Yeah, I think that's fair. I will say, and, and one of those aspects I really do like is Andy Garcia's Rat Tail. Yes, Andy Garcia's Rat Tail, his whole character, um, yes. his 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 wardrobe like everything about it is just incredible um and i think like i would dislike this movie much more if he was not in it Um, oh for sure for sure jeff bridges is fine um you know i don't dislike his performance here but uh he doesn't do much uh for me uh in this film whereas andy garcia really i mean he just like chews every piece of scenery in this movie yeah he he really lets the the cuban accent come through strong too um he just like hams it up um, so yeah, we're introduced to him in this scene, and Chance, uh, Sarah, and Sonny. So uh, Sonny pretends to know Matt, Jeff Bridges' character. Right. Um, she's like hanging on to him, and she's introducing him to everybody as her boyfriend. Um, and everybody's like, "Oh, how do you know this guy?" Oh, and and Chance is really interested because Chance was previously arrested by Matt um, when he was a, yes. a drug dealer. Um, yes. And Angel is interested because Angel really likes Sonny. Um, he likes Sarah as well, but he has a, a certain interest in Sonny. Yeah. Um, there, there's a lot of like parallels throughout this movie. Um, one of them being like Angel's interest in, in the girls, Sonny and Sarah, paralleling Matt's. Um, and another one, I, I guess I'll just hit on this now. There, I think there's like a case to be made for the class elements of the two main drugs of this movie, mm. um, alcohol and cocaine respectively. Um, Cause cocaine obviously is depicted as like this reward that can enable wealth for, for a uh, little bit of spoiler, but angels character um, as well as like this, this danger that can lead to being arrested or being killed. Whereas alcohol is like this, this obstacle that's like very bourgeois and it's um, in, in its victims. Um, and I, I just think, I mean, that I don't know how intentional that was and that that's kind of like baked into just the fabric of American society right. anyway. But um, it that that's it. It certainly filled out uh, those parameters on my viewing. Yeah. No, I think that's accurate. Yeah. No, just just some interesting class aspects there. Um, and another another nice thing, another nice detail uh, related to the alcohol. Um, it happened in this scene. And it happens in pretty much every party scene or like every bar scene. Um, Jeff Bridges looks longingly at other people drinking yes yeah yeah yeah. Uh, and i thought that was very effective um I don't, i'm not sure how much that was his idea versus like the versus how ashby but like it was just very subtle but very um a very good character beat yeah and i mean he's constantly around alcohol too right i mean he goes to mm-hmm. this house a few times um he's he lives behind a bar he lives in a seedy motel yeah. behind a bar so to get back to the plot uh, stuff real quick, um, Sonny is all over, all over Matt. 
um she basically as a means to to get away from the party um she brings him to the bar and we get another little character moment where he's just like looking at drinks but he orders a coke instead um and she tries to seduce him in his motel but he refuses and she she's like really throwing herself at him like she strips naked in in the bathroom and she drops one of the best lines (laughs) of this movie i'll let lewis lewis take it away so she is uh she is naked uh she is backlit by a street light um and she and we see her in profile like just like we see everything more or less as much as we can in this moment Mm -hmm. uh, uh silhouetted but still you know you can make out a lot of the shapes uh the contours and whatnot uh, and she says <laughs> this line, uh, the street light makes my pussy hair glow in the dark. Cotton candy, the glow. <laughs> oh my God. It's that, that's such a perfect encapsulation of like trash, trashy eighties movies too. <laughs> yes. Because like, like the trend of people shaving their genitals, that that's more of like a nineties millennial, like aughts thing too yeah. so like it, it's it all it's all encapsulated there it like it all comes together. yeah uh and then he he flicks the light on or she does i can't remember and then like we see everything like i mean this is like a full frontal nudity scene yeah it's it's over morally obscene. yeah well, right i mean imagine like a catholic bishop watching this movie that's yes. why i really included um, that i mean i just they yeah. always had to watch movies back in the days so like the Hayes Code and the Breen Office, but like there really wasn't much nudity back in the day in films. But sure. then like as they continued to watch these films, you know, of course they didn't have any say anymore in the actual rating system, but they made their own little rating systems as we, we've talked about previously. But I could just still imagine them watching these movies and just yep. like yep. having to hide under their, you know, their seats every time or like just probably getting off on it is the reality yeah th- th- this is strong ted cruz tweeting out incest porn <laughs> on his twitter vibes yes. like what's... um and to be fair later on we do see jeff bridge's ass yeah that's true uh we we, we don't see his dong we see his ass um but yeah it, it, it's got the standard like male to female nudity ratio is like way skewed yeah um jeff bridges as, as if usual. you are listening uh when will you show hog please when will you show uh, hog? <laughs> write in to proletarian.contrarian at gmail.com <laughs> oh my god amazing send, send us your nudes dude what, what else are you <laughs> yeah doing? what else come on you're not making a movie right now we know that to be true <laughs> so yeah he he kicks her out he he's pretty he's pretty pissed off uh matt at this point because like he's he was just like waxing melancholy about his daughter that he doesn't get to see. Um, well, this is where actually he, she tells him that she wants out of the sex work business because uh, right. Chance will kill her otherwise, and she's scared of Chance. So Matt actually goes over to meet with Chance that night, which was a really interesting plot beat too. It's like he just yeah. goes back to the place he was at like literally five minutes ago. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I, I kind of missed that because, like, it, it, it's a little vague, and I thought that, like, there was at least one day separating, but to leave a party, go drink, and, and almost have sex, yeah. but then have, like, this emotional yep. connection, and then go back to the party. And then go back party. to the party once the party is more or less winding down. Um, yeah. And Chance is great. I love Chance's character. All he does is, like, yell the word fuck over and over again. <laughs> Um, and he just like takes so, Maalox randomly. So. Like he just like, he always has an upset stomach. And in this scene, like he asks for Maalox and he takes the Maalox with 
uh, like a tumbler of whiskey as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like a little counterintuitive. Um, but he and then he he drops the second my second favorite line of this movie at this point. He's like, um, this is so funny too. This is such a fucking fail son movie too because Matt tries to give him like. Like two thousand dollars, like five thousand, two two grand, yeah. yeah, like not a lot of money for a drug and prostitution kingpin. <laughs> um, and then Chance gr- takes the money, he looks at it, and he throws it back at Jeff Bridges, and he's like, "I hate money. If it's new, it cuts your fingers, and if it's old, it stinks." Yeah, incredible, <laughs> comrade Chance. <here. laughs> um, and this is all within like five minutes of, of yeah. each line basically it's it's pretty great i mean there's a there's some great lines throughout this film but like really they they, they front load them in this movie so that's kind of uh, one of the demerits for this film definitely uh and and then i guess the timeline does really line up because by the time matt gets back to his his motel um sunny is just like waiting up waiting for him and she's like looking out the window yeah and she has this gun she found his gun and she's yeah like she took a, she his <laughs> gun <laughs> Um, he does agree to drive her to the airport. Right. Um, but he's like, first, I have to go pick up a present for my daughter. Yeah, and they go to like a like a riding store, like a horse store, because she rides horses. Uh, there's a right. saddlery store. I don't know what the name of the store. Horse accessory boutique yeah. or whatever. And he's like, oh, give me give me a pair of European style riding boots for a girl size, whatever. Yeah. Um, and by the time he gets out, uh, Sonny's gone because she had been abducted and uh, by by some kind of like creepy windowless van. Well, there's actually there are windows because we do see her oh throat get slashed and blood <laughs> spew all over the place onto one of the the windows. <laughs> yes, that that was a pretty striking uh, moment. And um, what's really funny is Matt tries to chase in his car, but the the people who abducted her had had. Uh, sliced one of his tires yeah. open. Um, so he's just like hauling ass, like literally, like the, the the back of his car is like just shooting up sparks as he's driving driving down. Uh, and this was another moment. It was it's like an action scene. It's it's a chase scene, um, but it felt very real in how like shitty it was. Oh yeah, for sure. Like like if if a chase scene was happening between like two people or two cars, and and neither of them are a cop car. Um, it it would be kind of like shitty and unexciting and like very feel very slapped together in real life. I think. Yeah, because like you're not always gonna like see the other car, right? Like it it goes out of view for him once, and like yeah. a lot of times in movies, like someone just like instinctually turns the same you know alley that the the car they're chasing went down. But in this movie, like he loses sight of the van for a little bit. And then he passes this dirt alleyway behind some houses mm. um, and he realizes like that the dirt has been kicked up. The sand has been kicked up. So he's like, oh, shit, it went down there. So he has to like right. do this like U-turn with like, you know, his like parking brake or whatever. Yep. Um, and like the sparks are flying, you know, like it's just it's like making a groove, you know, in the asphalt. Um, the the rim of the tire. And then like he has to backtrack and go down that same alleyway. Um, and then by the time he catches up to the van, well, he really doesn't, he doesn't catch up to the van. Um, they, they get to like this like storm drain, um, and the van takes off and he sees that like, they just dropped Sonny's lifeless body in this like storm drain and that's it. Like, it's not a long chase scene. It's about 
no. two minutes, and then it just ends with, yep, they killed her. I mean, we know they killed her already. Like, they, they slit her throat within the first two seconds of the chase scene. But he doesn't know that. Yeah, and Matt, of course, is understandably devastated by this. Um, and then this spirals into another drinking um, montage, I guess. He he falls off the wagon. And um, and this was super surreal and effective. Like, yes. It, we don't it's hard to tell what happens because it just cuts to like him drinking in a bar kind of slumped over the bar. And then he, when he wakes up, he's in a hospital. Yeah. So like his, his alcohol induced memory loss is literally depicted on screen. Yeah. It's really interesting. So he's in like some kind of detox facility. Um, yeah. And this is where we see his ass. Yes. This is where we see his ass. <laughs> Cause he, I, he's naked. Uh, he just has like a blanket over him. And I think that's how we know he's in a detox facility. Cause like the blanket says the word detox on it. Right. Um, right. And uh, yeah, he gets up like he has like his mouth is like caked with like bile. Um, he's like, he's got the, you know, the, the um, delirium tremens, whatever it's called. Um, the shakes. Right. Uh, from withdrawal withdrawal and uh he he goes up to this nurse and he's like how long have i been here and she's like oh i can't tell you any of this information it's it's confidential he's like but i'm the patient um and it's been like five days or something like that since sunny's death that he's been in like this detox facility um or like on a bender at least he's been on a bender for five days right and exacerbating this issue is he of course missed picking up his daughter um which he he calls his ex-wife and that prompts her to cut off contacts between them um and then what kind of what happens after this it's kind of meandering oh he goes back home and he he has uh sunny's um address yes book. like her little black book more or less yeah yeah her her book of clients and everything um and based on that he or following that, he goes to see Sarah again at the mansion. Yes. But he also finds um, a package that is, uh, it's just like brown paper it's bags. Coca- cocaine. Yeah, he finds, well, he finds a little bit of cocaine in kind of like an origami thing um, that she had. Right. But he, and he has like this brown paper bag that's from like a grocery store that's like, there's money in it. And it's like, uh, it's the name of a supermarket, like, Poe boys or something like that yeah um, he breaks that open and like money flies everywhere um so like i mean the only clues in this movie really revolve around the little black book and this grocery store like those are the only clues that tie anything together in this whole movie like it's it's really you don't have to like really piece it together so much as just like they kind of give it to you within the next like five minutes of this movie <laughs> Yeah, because that's right. Because in within the next five minutes, he does go to that grocery store. Um, and th- this was such a fail son thing too, because like like the big, the like the, like the first crack at the mystery, the first clue, it's a it, it's not like at a cool unique location. It's at yeah. the grocery store, which is like, <laughs> and like and to sneak in the back, he literally just like walks through the back, the swinging doors in the back, like near the meat. yeah, <laughs> and then he he just walks out into the alleyway. He's like, oh. And then he sees Chance sitting in his car and he walks up to Chance and he, he interrogates Chance. Yeah. Yeah. So he's in the back and, and we're given another um, piece of the puzzle too here. There's like these 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 logs, like, I don't know what they are. They're like these break apart logs that you can put in a fireplace, kind of like fire starter logs. Um, and uh, 
they're like kind of being shuffled around between the different grocery stores and that's kind of one of our first clues um and then of course yeah he sees chance uh in his car and actually this is another fail son moment like when they fight in the car (laughs) yes and i I mark this down too like so chance is like pissed off and kind of repulsed by matt but he's like oh just get in my car and sit, sit in the passenger seat and they start they start talking and they insult each other and shit and then matt like turns around and shoves his back against chance and they kind of like snuggle yeah. up against each other to fight <laughs> it's so stupid <laughs> um some some listeners and and the person i'm about to name will know this but my friend pete i did that to him one time like we were we were and you know you know pete like we were <laughs> arguing about something and i was in his car and like we we got pissed and i turned around and like i shoved my back against him or something so i was like hey that's me <laughs> wow I can, i'm trying to decide who would be jeff bridges though or jeff bridges character in this movie would it be you or Pete in real life. I, I'm leaning towards you still. Yeah. I think you track more with the yeah, character. Yeah, I, 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 do, I, I do drink more than Pete does, and he, he's more succe- he's more successful at this point. Yeah, in his that's life true. <laughs> Shout out, Pete, if you're listening. Yeah, Pete. Um, so, yeah, after after that, I, I think this is when Chance is like, oh, go talk to Sarah. Yeah, this is when he goes back to the mansion. Um, and also, right. it, sh- it should be noted that there's... I, I, this is a stupid little detail as well, but it is one of the bigger clues in this movie. There's like this little diamond um, that... Oh my yeah, God. the diamond yeah. that is encircled in this in silver, and there's like a jaguar head emblem. It looks like really gauche, like prop jewelry. Yeah, and it... And it it very much is. It's so fake looking. It definitely is costume jewelry. They didn't try it all here. Um, but there's like this. So there's this one little diamond with an emblem in Sonny's um, address book. And then when we're at this party where he goes to talk to Sarah, we see that uh, Angel, Andy Garcia's character, has that same diamond on his ring. ring right. That same emblem and diamond on his ring. Um, so... That's where he just like figures it out. He's like, "Oh, uh, Angel killed Sonny. I guess that's you know yep. kind of um, you know home run here. Figure that one out." There's no further twist to it. It just it 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 is what is shown. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, but he kind of interrogates Sarah. He asks her like, "Oh, yeah. was you know uh, did Sonny have any favorite clients? Were there any clients who really like Sonny?" And she was like, "No, not really." But um, it, it come to find out that Angel did sort of have a, a liking for Sonny. Right. And um, I think we also learned that Angel does have a, a special liking for Sarah as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is where Matt abducts Sarah, basically. <laughs> yeah. He he forces her to come outside into the little the little uh, kitty land ride <laughs> down to the street. Um, and then this is when they go back to, to the bar in the apartment. Sarah gets completely wasted. Um she just like downs like a whole bottle. Yeah, of it's incredible. <laughs> and she, again, somewhat inexplicably, inexplicably, like she she kind of keeps throwing herself at yeah. Matt. Um, and she's like, I'm I'm gonna go down on you. And she starts to go down on him, but then she <laughs> she throws up in his lap <laughs> just twice, <laughs> twice, yeah. <laughs> which is amazing. Um, which which is very very fail sunny. Um. And then Matt cleans her up. They get into bed. They they go. To, they just go to sleep. Um, what happens the next day? Um, 
God, what does happen the next day? Oh, they they kind of like formulate a plan to meet up with Angel. Yes, is this when they meet up with the snow cones? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So they just meet up. Like, is this when they meet up with the like the mall outside the mall? Yes, this is when they meet up outside the vaporwave mall, (laughs) um, hanging out in the parking lot, eating snow cones. Of a, of a mall parking lot is, is such like a vaporwave 80s thing, which is yeah. perfect. He just has um, this but, like snow cone machine yeah. in his trunk, in Angel's trunk, and he takes one out. He gives one to everybody, even his minions yeah. get one. <laughs> everybody gets um, one. And then, and then I think Matt at one point is like, oh man, snow cones, classy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think like he meant yeah, it too. I think, so. I think he thought it would <laughs> Angel does mention like um, he's looking for seed money for uh, a snow cone like oh, empire yeah, he wants right. to build. <laughs> probably to probably to launder money um, for his cocaine business because yeah, he's obviously the plus one, like snow cocaine. cocaine. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's, there's that that. Uh, that obvious connection. Um, we have some dialogue between Jeff Bridges and Andy Garcia. They're, they kind of play off each other pretty well. There's this amazing shot, um, and it's fairly long. It's maybe like a minute long. It's a close-up shot. It's Jeff Bridges in profile on the left, like extreme profile. Andy Garcia on the right, extreme profile. And then Andy Garcia's bodyguard, uh, Tio, an older gentleman, yeah. um, in the middle of them. Uh, well, behind them, but his face is in the middle of their faces. And, like, Andy Garcia is just, like, going off on Matt, and Matt is kind of egging him on. And then, like, the the older bodyguard guy is just, like, speaking Spanish and, like, telling him to, like, calm down. Yeah. <laughs> just, he's, it's, like, it's like he's his coach. Yeah. Like, he's his like negotiation his coach, coach or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's great. And they're just, like, they're just eating snow cones while this is happening. <laughs> yeah, it, it's good shit. Um, and so then Angel takes sarah away to his she, he takes him away with her he's like oh this is my best girl i'm gonna i'm gonna marry this one um this is when after this matt meets up with chance again yeah and he's like listen we can take down angel because he's an asshole and we both hate him basically yeah so they team up um they have the idea of like getting together like five hundred thousand dollars to like pretend to start a business with angel um to get him in like a drug sting basically yeah because matt was also um he he put a call out to his old buddies at the at the police station yeah um so they meet up at uh angel's house so he can set up like this sting and um so we get to the house and it is an and Tony Gowdy house, or it, so it appears to be. And Angel uh, keeps saying it's a Gowdy house, and he has like a little pamphlet saying like, "Oh, here's architect uh, Antony Gowdy's designs for this house," and like it slopes this way because of the sun and all that. Um, and I just like it looks exactly like Gowdy's, you know, architecture. Um, and I thought it was. Then I looked it up, and it's not. It's some dude named O'Neill. Um, and it's a house that's been used in a lot of film and television. It's just a guy who really liked Gaudi and, uh, he just aped his style. <laughs> that's so fucking perfect for this movie too. Yeah. Like it, it's, I got this so good. Um, 
the house itself is pretty cool looking um it's just like it feels like a dumb guy's idea of what's like avant-garde oh yeah for sure yeah it looks like a smurf house yes yeah it looks like a smurf like a, a smurf house or like something you would find on like a little kid's vi- like and like uh edutainment video game or something <laughs> like, yeah yeah it's ridiculous um so yeah they um they're talking about this deal and then this is when we see those logs again, um, those like starter logs that we saw in the grocery store. Um, and the, I, I like this aspect. Like we don't, it's not super obvious. They're just kind of like in the background of the shot. Yeah. Um, there's yeah. some goons like taking them in and out of the room. Um, and I think Matt like might look at them like for a quick second. Um, but it's really for us, the audience to to kind of piece together as well. Um, but really, I mean, the logs... And her little black book, that's kind of it for this movie. That's all you need to understand the mystery of this film. And I guess the, the costume jewelry. Yeah, thing. and the costume jewelry. Like, yep. um, So they, they figure out, Matt figures out that the drugs are being kept, the cocaine is being kept in these fake logs, um, these starter logs. Yeah, in, in Chance's own um, grocery store. Yeah. Yeah, and this is great. I love notes. the scene when he's like, "Okay, follow me. We'll go to the grocery store." And um, he 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 shows in the log. He breaks one apart, and lo and behold, there's cocaine. And I just like love the way like Chance just like, "Thank you very much for this." <laughs> yes, he's like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, "Thanks, man. I owe you one." <laughs> yes, that's it. <laughs> and then they just like load them up in the car, and then that's it. Well, also, also uh, Chance and his his nose bodyguard. Um, they lock up all the employees on the clock in a meat locker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's like, listen, get comfortable. And like, I'm, I'm sorry for anyone who is involved with this, but like, it, just, just consider it over time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and then, uh, yeah, Noseguard, the, um, the character, uh, Tommy Lister's character, he just like points at the one white guy who's like right next to me. He's like, you sit down. <laughs> he's like, sit down, shut up. <laughs> Don't fucking move. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then they set up, uh, an actual like operation, mm. uh, to, uh, to, well, I guess to give him back the drugs at this point to, to return yeah. the cocaine to Angel and to get Sarah and back. And it's so funny when they're, they're loading up their cars, like there's not enough room in their, like their low rider cars, like just, just their sedans and yeah. like it's packed <laughs> and full of the cocaine logs. <laughs> and he's like here start using mine and he just opens up the side door yeah yeah he's like oh no man like it's gonna block the <laughs> you're like you're blindside you can't put it there yeah um yeah it's it's just like it's it's little things like that throughout this move movie that um i think like really benefit from the improvisation like if this movie was just like very well plotted and like you know had this really tight screenplay it wouldn't be worth watching. Like it would be like every other eighties, you know, action film fairly throwaway, but it's like these right. really weird little idiosyncratic moments that, that make this film worth watching uh, for me at least. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and like a lot of it felt very familiar, like as, as a recovering fail son myself, <laughs> um, just like driving through back streets of like a suburb, like pretending you're in a chase scene. And it's just like really kind of shitty and depressing. Um, I don't know, visiting your friend who works at a grocery store and like seeing the back room of a grocery store for five minutes and like imagining, oh, what if there was a shootout here or something? <laughs> like, it, this is like a, a shitty listless 
like halfway imagined scene of a movie that like you you think of when you're bored for five minutes while you're waiting for your friend to get off the clock yeah for sure um and and you know the fucking the shootout at the end here the showdown in a warehouse is incredible it's incredible (laughs) talk about fail sun big fail sun energy here um and just like again very idiosyncratic like it's just like a totally empty warehouse like there's nothing in it like you know a lot of warehouse scenes that i've seen a lot of warehouse shootouts like there's like shipping crates or you know something there's something barrels barrels there's something that obscures view and people can hide behind like this is nothing the only thing in it is jet bridges on one side uh, and chance on the other side we get angel and his crew and in the middle we have like all the drugs just piled up and and uh and jeff bridges has like a lawn chair that he's sitting in <laughs> yeah very dude energy um and also hiding up in the rafters are the the swat team the cops yeah that they contacted yeah crucially right um and yeah it, it's this is such a unique scene like I, I i've seen a fair amount of like action movies i've never seen anything like this no me neither um so Angel and his his posse they roll up. They have, um, oh, what, what's his main bodyguard name? Mundo. Uh, Mundo. Yes. Mundo, yeah. <laughs> Mundo is holding like the sawed off shotgun. It's duct taped to his hand, and the tip of it, like the the barrel, is duct taped to Sarah's face. Yeah. Yeah. It's which, which is wild already. Yeah. They kind of made like a lasso out of duct tape, and then they duct tape <laughs> that lasso to the barrel of this shotgun. So yeah. even if she moves, she, well, she really can't. But even if she kind of jerks away a little bit, like it's still gonna blow off her head. Right. Yeah. And and so they're like marching from one end where they walked in, or where they where they, where they park their cars to Matt and his his pile of cocaine in front of him, and it's like a good like hundred yards apart yeah and they filmed the whole damn thing while they shouted each other from across the room yeah <laughs> it's like it, it just like so baffling but like I, I was weirdly transfixed by it it's a great scene i mean yeah the tension is is there um mm-hmm. although like there's not a lot happening right like there's not a lot of moving parts at all um you kind of even forget like the cops are in the rafters like they don't do a lot of shots that like cut to those guys ever again like we see them once and that's kind of it they show them at the beginning just so that we know about it and then they we don't really see them again until the the end and everything erupts yeah um but like jeff bridges is holding like a smoke grenade um that he takes the pin out of and then he holds down the trigger or whatever it's called um and then he has like lighter fluid um and matches and he's like just lighting up like random like just like you know ounces of cocaine uh while like angel just screams like no man no yeah (laughs) and that's the other thing like that the improvisational um aspect brings to this movie like they they showed everyone shouts over each other in the scene and they're yelling at each other and it feels very chaotic and it feels very real yeah um and and to goad angel to like just cut the bullshit into like to honestly to piss him off so that he's off his game um to, uh, matt is just like burning up like lewis said like individual little chunks of like piles of cocaine because he has like the lighter fluid and like these flares that he just burns them up um and then andy garcia is just freaking out and then chance comes in from the side and he has a gun and everyone's like jerking their guns all over the place and like pointing them and screaming it, 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 it's 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 so fucking stressful. Yeah. It was great. Yeah, I think because Tio is there, the the older bodyguard guy, and he has like an Uzi 
or like yeah. a tech nine. Um, yes. And then and then Noseguard, uh, Tommy Lister's character is there as well. He has like a revolver. Chance has a gun. Uh, I think the only person who's not armed. No, Matt has a gun as well. I think. No, I don't, uh, Matt has like a gun, a hidden gun. Yeah, I think maybe his um, his ankle gun um, that he he shows previously in the film. Um, but yeah, it just it goes poorly when does it go south like what happens i don't remember what exactly happens when they all start drawing their guns out well they they cut uh sarah loose at one point they get him to cut sarah loose because he's like i'll burn this all this shit up if you don't let her loose man right so he cuts her loose and she runs over to chance yeah and then um when when angel gets close like close enough to, to touch and pick up the bags of cocaine um, that's when the the police like drop like yeah. they swarm in. That's right, and I think Chance shoots, tries to shoot Angel. I think he misses, or maybe just like just a flesh wound. Um, Angel kills Chance. Yep. And then I think Tio kills Noseguard. Yes, and then a cop kills Tio. Yeah, and then a cop kills Tio and Mundo. I think yep. they're both killed by cops. They're both killed, and and. The rest of Angel's crew that we had we had met before this in a brief a brief seek, uh, scene, um, they're just like mowed down by the cops outside. Yeah, yeah, they're mowed down in the cars, basically the, the, the cars they came in. Um, but Angel escapes, which I thought yeah. was really interesting too. It's just like, oh shit! Like the guy you're really going for, he's yeah, he he, he escaped. <laughs> he got away, and um, and then this is the scene where Matt and Sarah they leave in his car, um he stops at the liquor store and he's going to fall off the wagon again. And it's that, it's that really depressing shot where like he it's, it's the outside of the liquor store. The car rolls up, parks on the side of the street. He gets out, goes in, comes out with a bottle, just holding the shot. Um, that and just like the, the framing and, and the lighting of that shot was so depressing. and so like down it, it, like good it, yeah. in a very good effective way. But like, uh, Sarah convinces him not to drink, and then they go to find Angel. Yep, yep. They go to confront Angel. Um, he is at uh, Chance's uh, mansion. Yeah, and um, he's at the top of the Kitty Lane Disney ride. Um, and and Matt and Sarah only realize this like while they're in the ride going up towards him. Yeah, and then they realize that there's someone. Because there's two, there's two like tr- little trams. One that goes up, right, one right. car goes up, one car goes down. So they realize right. that there's someone in the uh, the second car, uh, another one of his, uh, Angel's goons. Um, so Matt like climbs out the back of his car and like just ducks ducks down behind it while like grabbing, a, holding on. Um, and as that person like jumps out of the car that's going down, he shoots him dead. Um, and he jumps below the little tram, actually. So Matt is then um, below the track itself. And that's when Angel, he just walks down. Um, and it's it's a fairly interesting little shootout. It doesn't last long, um, but, like, they're, they're kind of, like, hiding behind, like, the posts and, like, the rail ties. Um, and um, Matt does shoot angel at they, do they both shoot each other actually like doesn't matt get shot matt gets shot at he i don't think he actually gets hit in this okay. scene um but he, he's like crawling below the woodwork and angel empties his clip 
and then Matt points the gun at Angel. He's like, don't do it, man. Don't do it. But Angel's just pissed, and he tries to reload again. And after he reloads, but before he can get a shot off, Matt puts one between his eyes. Right, yeah. So I think he 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 gets Angel once before that. Like, he gets him in, like, the shoulder or something. Um, and then, yeah. So Angel's, like, kind of hunched over, like, the rail tie, looking down at Matt. Um, and, yeah, he doesn't get to reload because... Um, he gets one. It's pretty brutal looking too. Like it's a pretty brutal looking, like you mm-hmm. know, uh, gunshot wound. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just, I, I just love the difference. Just don't do it, man. Yeah. Don't do it. It's like so. It's like <laughs> the dude so much. <laughs> um, but yeah. And then we hard cut to Jeff or J- Jeff Matt walking on the beach. Um, at another AA yeah, meeting. Yeah, and it's like final AA meeting. He's like, oh, I've been sober for like three days or something and <laughs> you know it, it was like a month yeah 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 that's right it was like a month um but we do that thing again and then he walks on the beach with sarah because they're apparently together now yeah it just looked like like a, a 90s commercial for like some kind yes. of like heart medicine or something or it's or like, like cialis or something yeah it's like i was able to walk with my wife again <laughs> If you experience an erection lasting longer than four hours, <laughs> contact your physician immediately. It's like well shot. Like I mean, there's interesting framing, but it's just like I don't know. This is how we have to end this fucking movie, really, guys. Like I just I very like weird ending. There's just like no reason for them to get together. Like they have no chemistry no. throughout this movie. I don't know. They try to allude to it, like when she's like, "Oh, most men aren't like you," because like most men. She he goes off on this weird tangent about like how makeup like women shouldn't wear makeup <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> she's like you're a rare breed like and that that's what turns her on that's what gets her into him um but yeah i mean befitting noir themes like they, they should not have ended up together like it it would be more tragic and just kind of bleak if they didn't end up together. yeah yeah um and there's really like no femme fatale like she's really not the femme fatale character like there really isn't one you know it's so important guess for the maybe, genre maybe sunny yeah, I guess, I'm, but I don't know. Like, the femme fatale usually has, like, some kind of ulterior motive for things and, and like, kind of drives the plot a little bit more and, like, right, doesn't right. get killed and sometimes, like, is actually the killer. Um, sure. Or is, like, a wild card character. And I don't know. There's really no one like that in this movie. That's true. Because, like, like, once they they leave the mansion together, they're just kind of, like, on the same side for the rest yeah. of the film. So, um, yeah. Whatever. That's uh, that's eight million ways to die. Yeah, what a weird yeah. title too. Like, yeah, very definitely should have been retitled something else. Yeah, no, there's. I I thought it was like when I saw, I was like, oh, that's that's just the title of this book and this movie. Okay, all right. Um, yeah, they they should have named it like some kind of pun on alcohol, like um, like a hundred proof or something, or that would have been so, good. some something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no. We just get this really weird title. And when I told Nick this was a movie we were watching, he thought it was the Seth MacFarlane uh, <laughs> Western movie. <laughs> Which is titled what? Uh, I, still... I think it's Six Million Ways to Die in the West or something Jesus like that. God, it's so dumb. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I, just num- Numbers and titles have to be, like, meaningful and memorable. Otherwise, yeah. it, it just... Yeah, too much. Or just like ridiculous, like the Fast and the Furious movies, right? Like, you know. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah that's a special case. <laughs> yeah. Um, so either don't put a number in or just be the Fast and the Furious movies. That's it, guys. It's your only yeah. options. 
who do we have for workers of note for this one? Uh, speaking of titles, uh, we have mm. uh, the title designer, uh, Patrice Ryan, and the title background designer, Stuart H. Pape. Um, I don't know what a title background designer does, considering, like, I don't remember the title having a background so much as, like, it just, like we said, looks like neon script. Um, but it was cool looking. I always appreciate that kind of 80s, um, very garish looking titles. Um, mm-hmm. And then we also have, uh, related to the opening title sequence, uh, Stan McLean, the camera operator for the aerial unit, so for the helicopter. Yeah, the other selection that we want to highlight is uh, the costumes because um, all of the costumes are, were very good. They Matt felt appropriately schlubby and kind of thrown together. Um, Angela had his amazing suits yes. throughout, throughout the movie. Um, and so we have uh, Gloria Gresham, a costume designer, Cheryl Beasley Blackwell, costumer for a woman, uh, Roberta Newman, assistant costumer, and Tony Scarano, a costumer for men. Yeah, the uh, one of the suits. I'm not sure if it's the last suit or the the suit when they're talking about uh, drugs in front of the the mall that uh, that Angel wears. It's like that gray suit, um, like very well well tailored to his body, um, and the tie is like this kind of garish looking, you know, blotch of colors. Um, but like, it's not a tie bar he has, but it's something in the knot of the tie. It looks like a spike through the knot of the tie i've seen them before but like right. no one actually uses those anymore i don't even know what the name of them is but like i don't know it's just like yeah. it's cool and i want people to bring them back like you could take that, one of those out and like stab someone i was just gonna say that i was just gonna say like that could be like a cool throwing weapon or like a, yes. a shuriken or something yeah it's, oh my god i love that we're in the same <laughs> way that's what i think when i see a pointy object it's got to be thrown or stabbed that's yeah. it yeah oh my god it's so good um all right. Um, so, closing thoughts. What uh, What's your broke recommendation? So, this one's kind of galaxy brain, but just bear <laughs> with me here. Um, so, you know how, like, for the 2019 Joker movie, that was, like, a very stripped-down, very realistic, very gritty depiction of a DC character? Yes. Um, you could say that this movie did the same thing, um, but instead of Matt and Sarah, they were uh, Vigilante and Black Canary, kind of. Okay. Um the vigilante version I'm thinking of is Adrian Chase, who's the second character to have that name, not the cowboy. Not the, the cowboy, cowboy, what one. I was about to say. Is he like the ski mask looking one? The ski mask okay. looking guy. Because yeah, yeah. um, there's a really good Alan Moore one shot that he wrote. Uh, actually, it was it was two, it was a one one single story, so I guess a one shot, but it was over two issues. Okay. Um, about Adrian Chase um, teaming up with a sex worker and in, in hunting down... Um, a guy who who was molesting his daughter like very dark gritty yeah 80s dc stuff um but like the also had themes of like alcoholism and like trouble with sex and like family and stuff huh. and um yeah so like kind of and and also the only reason i say black canary because black canary is a very strong character sarah really isn't just she looked like black canary to me she did no there was like one scene yeah i think she even has like the denim jacket not the denim the leather jacket yep. like the yep. fishnet like she just looked exactly like her in this one scene exactly yeah yeah so so on a much more superficial level for her <laughs> but um but yeah just this is kind of like the as 2019 Joker is to the Joker character, so is this movie to um, to the Adrian Chase version of Vigilante. Okay, gotcha. 
Nice. Nice. This is very much in keeping with our uh, our DC recommendations that we've done throughout. Yeah. Or I should say that you've done throughout. Yeah, I kind of had a, a little run of those. Yeah. Uh, I mean, hey, DC, again, call us. Get at me. Come on. You don't I'm have here. any ideas anymore, so... <laughs> You don't have any ideas and we're all in quarantine, so who gives a shit anymore? Right. I mean, you know, you can't even really uh, make a comic book out of this because uh, no comic books are being distributed right now. So That is correct. Yeah. Whatever. Fuck it. Nothing matters. (laughs) Um, Woke recommendation. Um, uh, So to to kind of uh, dovetail with your broke recommendation in terms of alternate versions of things... um, if you're all fans of the little known film called the big Lebowski, um, <laughs> this version of Jeff Bridges is like mm-hmm. a, a multiverse version of the dude where in the eighties, um, you know, he was basically more like right wing and reactionary than he was. Cause I always imagine mm-hmm. the dude is like, you know, he's your classic, like stoner hippie guy. He says oh, like he was a roadie yeah. for like Metallica and all these other bands. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. You know, probably more of a centrist type guy. But if in this version he's a reactionary, I think this would be his path. You know, he would just be yeah. an actual police officer as opposed to like just like this guy who likes mystery stories and, and gets embroiled <laughs> in this weird scandal. Uh, he'd actually be a police officer. He would still be an alcoholic, of course, but yep. Um, yep. he wouldn't be drinking white Russians. He'd, he wouldn't be as cosmopolitan as that, of course. He'd be <laughs> drinking beer like uh, a character here does, or, or I guess whiskey is, is his, his yeah, preferred whiskey. drink. Um and uh yeah he would uh just be a, an awful uh, cop i guess so this is uh this is what you get in the dude extended universe um although they actually did make a sequel movie so the coen brothers didn't make this movie to the big lebowski yes so john chaturro wanted to make a sequel that followed his character jesus the pedophile yes yes and they did this year or last oh year I, it was released in the last two years um and it's apparently fucking terrible we could do it for the podcast perhaps well, we have to do that uh, now the coen brothers took their name off of it entirely they, I, I don't even think they're producers they didn't write it like i think they only they're they're credited for like character creation and that's it that's amazing um, but they basically like told john Turturro, we don't understand why you want to do this but we will let you do this like in your twilight why? years have fun <laughs> In your, in your twilight years, have fun reprising your role as a pedophile. Like, <laughs> yeah. And it's the third time he, he reprised it because they found him by seeing his one-man show where he was basically doing that character like Jesus in like Christ. theater in L.A. So, like, I don't know. He just has the, some affinity for pederasty. <laughs> <laughs> Goddamn Christ. Oh, God. Um, so, yeah, my bespoke recommendation... And this one's actually kind of sincere. Um, it's for, I, I guess I, I wrote down alcoholic cinephiles, <laughs> but like <laughs> people who are into movies, Us. into like over like overlooked or lesser known movies, who are looking for a um, a a fairly grounded, nuanced, and in pretty sympathetic depiction of alcoholism. Um, I, I think when drug addiction of any sort is depicted in movies uh more times than not it's either done for a cheap laugh or it's done it's like a caricature of what it's really like in real life um and for all this movie's faults one of the things i can fault it for is the the memorably sympathetic way it depicted um 
being an alcoholic. Um, it it was the the character of Matt is not a. I mean, I guess he's somewhat somewhat of a sympathetic character, but only because like his struggle with addiction is portrayed so. Um, it, it's it's very real, and I, and I, I appreciated that. Yeah, I think that's accurate. Um, it's one of the better films to like feature uh, Alcoholics Anonymous as well. <laughs> like, yes, because uh, I. Alcoholics Anonymous is a pretty polarizing organization. Um, I, I have no experience with them, so I, I really can't speak to that. But I, I've, I've I've certainly read some some addicts really really have have find fault with their with their methodology, but some swear by it. So like, who's who's to say? I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I've I've heard that as well. Definitely. Um, we could also do the film My Name Is Bill W about the creation of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, starring James Woods as oh um, what's the guy's name? Who Talk created... about Galaxy Brain. <laughs> um, Bill W. Uh, William Griffith Wilson is the man who created Alcoholics Anonymous, um, hmm. and a good two thirds of the film is just like James Woods pretending to be drunk, pretending to be drunk. <laughs> yeah, geez, Jesus. But it's a made-for-TV movie, so I don't know. Maybe we can't do that one. And he did win an Emmy, so I don't know. But I would I would do made-for-TV movies on this on the show. We should. Um, this uh, I saw this movie in class. I don't remember what class it was oh for. Uh, it might have been health class. Uh, it was like uh, I think junior high, and uh, hmm. me and my classmates just laughed through it because it's. I mean, it's like a slapstick movie, and it definitely is not Amazing. intended to be a slapstick movie. <laughs> That's pretty incredible. It's like supposed to be this nuanced depiction of like the the leading anti-alcoholic activist organization, and it's just like oh, like it's yeah, three stooges. Thing. It's, it's just like yeah, it's just like pratfall after pratfall. There's like this is a basic scene where um, his wife loses her job um, because he shows up drunk to like the department store that she works at, and like mm-hmm. she's like folding clothes or something, and he's just like knocking down all the clothes. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, alcoholism is real and and obviously not something to laugh at folks but uh the portrayal of such in certain terrible films um it lends itself to um you know some ridicule i would say oh sure yeah i mean i i think addicts who have a healthy perspective on on their addiction they, they would say that like humor is one of the best ways to put things in perspective but like and we can do that by laughing at james woods pretending to be like <laughs> He's going to sue us now that he heard this. Oh my, yeah. Nobody tweet this, please. <laughs> Do not tweet He'll, about this, please. <laughs> He'll swear a blood oath against us and he'll haunt us until until his dying day. Yeah, he'll come at us with the uh, with the gun that comes out of his hand, out of his vagina stomach from Videodrome. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> well, on that, uh, on that cheerful image, I guess we'll, we'll see you next week folks thanks for listening thanks for listening folks um there's eight million ways to die out there in the big city and uh hopefully we staved off a few from you staying inside and listening to this instead (laughs) yes stay inside everyone see you next time (laughs) oh you don't know where it's gonna come from anymore little strangers are killing each other everybody's got a piece you know, the murder rate used to be around a thousand a year. Three a day in the whole county. That was high. Now it's about five a day. Higher in the summer. Fourteen of them two Fridays ago, yeah. 
We get the death penalty six, seven times a day, only it's not for murderers. It's for ordinary citizens. Yeah, there are eight million stories in the Naked City. Remember that old TV show? Yeah. Then we got in this town. We got eight million ways to die. All right, let's cut the crap and do what we get paid for.